Hey, good morning, Monstropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The tribal loves me. Shall you be After you, Junior. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Logged It, episode number 42. We're here for an interesting topic, one I'm excited about. Uh, movies you wish you saw in the theaters. This can be anything. This can be... Uh, something that, you know, you saw when it came out on Blu-ray and you were like, oh my god, this was amazing. Or it could be something that you discovered as a young lad or, and, you know, then realized, man, how cool would this have been in a theater? Give me whatever you want. Uh, so, uh, we got a full panel. Fun. Cody, you are here. Uh, you were excited about this topic when Boatman and I told you about it. And now we're here to talk about it. So, how you doing? And are you pumped? Um, I prep for movies that I wish I would have watched on two times speed. So this is going to be a little different. Um, also, on Letterboxd right now, you can find Caleb Coho's ranking of all the James Bond films, which I wouldn't take as any grain of salt whatsoever because he watched them all on two times speed. So if you see Daniel Craig, choose his ratings on that. Other than that, do not trust the man. Um, I'm excited for this topic. Um there's a lot of movies that I was able to see as time went on um, that got re-released, sure. but I can just imagine the first time watching it in theaters, like the first viewing, would have been crazy. So um, I have a, some interesting topics, I would say, but this should be a fun show, and I'm here to make Boatman cry. So, Caleb Boatman, welcome. How are you? I'm okay. Cody... I, I think Cody uh, needs a visit from Sarah McLaughlin because he's been beating a dead horse a lot. But you know, other than that, I'm I'm having a good time. Still can't make a drink. I I would I would uh, I would I would beat that dead horse as well. Uh, anyway, uh, Payson, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, Cody chose violence today, but I'm always up for two times speed jokes. Like can't deny them but yeah i'm i'm excited for this topic it should be fun and this is a great panel i love talking movies with these guys jake you were another one that was like i want to be on that topic uh yes. you're here how are you doing sir i'm doing much better than i did last week i had the flu and it fucking sucked um but i feel so much better this week um yeah yeah that week post flu is always like you can do anything. <laughs> like you, you have the stamina of a thousand men. Absolutely, I've been there. Uh, okay, so uh, we are going to kick the show off before we get into our list. We're going to talk about what we uh, start every show with, which is our favorite movie that we logged this week. Cody, why don't you kick us off on this one? Um, so I did my favorite double feature that I do. Um, it's just about hope and optimism and no sadness whatsoever. Um, it's the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. Um, <laughs> um, I pick the Green Mile as the one that I pick because I think Shawshank gets obviously enough credit <laughs> where, like, 
a lot of people. I mean, it was IMDb's. I think it's still. I don't know if it still is to this day, but it was for the longest time. It's number one movie um, where I first saw it. But the Green Mile is just fantastic. It's still. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna make a point here, and I stand by this that um, this is the best Sam Rockwell performance of all time. I just I just want. I'm just I, I, I want to make that known after a rewatch. He has never been better than he's been in this movie. His physical acting, along with his like um the character he portrays, uh the basically the duality of him being like completely goofy and stupid to how uh like scary he is. Um this cast is just loaded. Uh Percy is one of the all-time villains in any movie ever. He does not get mentioned in the same breath as some of these people, but this dude literally doesn't wet uh, the sponge in the movie and literally sets a man on fire and he's alive. It's one of the most horrific scenes in film history for me. After as of rewatching it, I was like taken back of like how gruesome that scene really is. Um, Michael Clark Duncan again. Um, we lost him, but he um, also lost the Oscar, um, which he shouldn't have. He definitely deserved the Oscar for this year. Um, Harry Dean Stanton is also one of my silly... Shut your mouth, you dirty slut. He, he passed away. God, have some respect over there, you Iowa man. Um, but Harry Dean Stanton, as he's, uh, like, as he's doing the fill-in stuff, hilarious stuff, like what he's able to do. Tom Hanks, of course. Um, yeah, I just absolutely love The Green Mile, I think. Um, it's a, I understand the link at some people, but I think I when I was watching it, I couldn't cut anything. I don't know if there's a part I really cut, a part I take out, a part that bores me, or a part that I don't enjoy. Um, and I love like this kind of supernatural effect to him, like after he makes him ride the lightning and what his life has to what he has to pay the punishment for. I think it's a really interesting take. So if you haven't seen The Green Mile, it's a, all-time thing, and I don't think it gets enough um, I don't think it gets enough credit uh, up against Shawshank, which I think it's equal or it's equal in my eyes. I'm just I'm sitting here, we're doing a show. Maggie is building a weight rack, and so there's a bunch of clinky clank, and yeah. then all of a sudden she just goes, Go, Maggie. all of a sudden very quietly she goes, oh yeah. I've only seen this once, but I really liked it when I saw it. Um, because I've only seen it once, and I have seen Shawshank quite a few times, I, I still rank Shawshank higher. But uh, I am going to be giving this a rewatch. I just bought the 4K of it that came out, so I will be giving it a watch. Uh, if you had waited, Cody, maybe two more weeks, you could have watched it in 4K on the Voodoo. But uh, what I will say is, I think Shawshank gets a little bit because it's more of an uplifting story, like more positive. Green Mile's a downer. Like at the yeah. end of the day, it's a sad, depressing movie. Like it's not not one of those yeah. <laughs> no leaving to the beach with your best friend. So. Yeah, no, but I, I really liked it when I saw it. I I don't remember. Like I remember Sam Rockwell in the movie, and me being like, "Oh, that's Sam Rockwell." I could I couldn't say whether it's his best performance or not, just because I've huh? only, I've only seen the movie once, and it was years ago. It, so. I think it's his first time when he plays a racist, which he basically carries on to the rest of his career. So it's pretty. It's he he has starting blocks, so it's really good. Oh my god, uh, Boatman, your take on the Green Mile? 
I'm having a bad time. Uh, I really want to just trash the Green Mile right now, but I can't okay. even do that because it is really good. Like, I want to just because Cody's being a doofus right now, but no, like, Green Mile's great. It's fantastic. It's it's hard to watch, but there's a there's a scene in this, not even, like, the big scene. There's a scene that just waterworks when I watch it, and it's not even the one you're thinking of. Uh, Jake. When he's watching the movies, that, that one, yeah. I unfortunately have not seen the Green Mile yet. Shame but how many Spider-Mans? Oh, all of them. Many, many, many times. Jason. Uh, yeah, I saw this one back in high school. I think I owe this one a rewatch, but I do really, really like this movie. Uh, it's one of the first movies I remember like actively making me cry. Like Specifically at the end, like, damn, does that rip your heart out? I think Michael Clark Duncan is fantastic. I think Sam Rockwell is really good. I wouldn't quite say he's my favorite. It's my favorite Rockwell performance, but I do think it is a very, very good Rockwell performance. And yeah, I would I'd put, rewatch put, it. I would put this on the top echelon of my Stephen King films. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bowman, why don't you go next? Yeah, uh, on my I haven't watched a whole lot of like great movies this week. Uh, but I did catch up on some new releases this week, and there's the big one that was really good, but I'll let somebody else talk about that if they want to, because uh, I actually really dug, surprisingly so, the bad guys. I actually, not maybe not surprisingly, because, you know, who's it? we're talking about another Sam Rockwell movie, right? But beyond your Sam Rockwell is in it, Sam Rockwell is not really the main reason I like this movie. I just... I think these characters are fun and the heist environment is like really fun. Animated heist movies rule. Uh, and there's a lot of like callbacks and references to the oceans movies here. And those are all super fun. I like the titular bad guys. I just think they're fun. The one weak the element I would say are the villains. The villains, the villain is bad. Uh, but the, the main bad guy's a lot of fun. The heist sequences are great. It's it's a uh, harken back to like classic two thousands era DreamWorks, and I enjoyed that. Uh, Jake, did you see this? I did not because I'm not a child, nor do I have young little brothers. So sorry. Wow, we're just like bashing <laughs> Boatman today. I'm not trying to. I'm just like my reason for not watching the movie is that I just had no interest. <laughs> Uh, Grayson, you saw this. I did. No, you watch Kangaroo Jack on the daily. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you don't get to call anyone a child. <laughs> All right, Grayson, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. Um, on the one hand, like, have you seen some of this stuff before? Yes, but on the other hand, it's a lot of fun. I think the team works really, really well together. Uh, Shark is my personal favorite one. He's just a big softy that like can somehow fool anyone, and I love it. Uh, Piranha is me. He is just an absolute just pack of energy that is just waiting to be sicked on people. And he's like, wet. What? And he's wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wet like my hair. Um, like Bowman said, you can clearly tell who the villain is two seconds after they show up. And that can be a little annoying, but I think it does have enough humor and enough jokes. And it's really like fast-paced jokes, and I really, really like when DreamWorks does that. So, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed this movie. 
I liked it too. Uh, this was a big surprise. I liked the marketing. I thought the trailers were funny. Um, so I got excited when it was coming out and I went and saw it and I had a good time. Um, I don't think it's revolutionary by any stretch of the imagination. I think I agree with everything Boltman and Payson said, but it was fun. The animation style was cool for a DreamWorks movie. It was different. I liked that. I liked the core team care of the characters. I thought we're all interesting and fun. And I, I agree with Boatman. The like oceans spin heist stuff was really, really fun. Um, it gets a little DreamWorksy in the finale. The finale is a little uh, like, honestly, this could have been like a top tier animated film, not just DreamWorks, but the ending is like really stupid like really dumb and it was like okay th this is a little much but overall i really liked the movie i actually i looked i have it ranked number nine in dreamworks i don't know if that's a thing on the movie or if that's a thing on dreamworks as a whole doesn't have a ton of great stuff but it'd be like 12 for me so that's yeah. about the same range yeah that's fair and you like dreamworks a lot more than i do so that like i think i think it was a good movie i think it's worth watching i think you know especially if you have a family and young kids um this won't make you want to completely uh, jump off a building. So, uh, Cody, have you had a chance to watch this with the family yet? I haven't. My kids have watched it. My kids have watched it like four times in the past like week. Um, I haven't caught one of the viewings yet of it. So, um, got to get a prime ticket for that. Yeah, I don't know. I again, I I mean, yeah, you, you put it at nine. Bowman would have it at twelve. Cole would probably have it at three. Um, he hasn't seen but, it yet. I know, but if he does, look at his ratings. They make no sense. Um, but anyways, um, he has How to Train Your Dragon, like, 22. Like, what are we doing? That's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it looks really interesting. Um, I like Rockwell, and he's not playing a racist in this, so I'm kind of interested to see what he does. All right. Uh, so I will go next, and uh, I'll take the obvious one. I'll, I'll take the one Bowman was alluding to. Top Gun Maverick, man. I I skipped this show last week to take my grandpa to see this movie. I'm not going to lie. Like, there was an early screening Tuesday night, and I called my grandpa about a month ago. I said, okay, the, the context. The first Top Gun is his favorite movie of all time. So we've been waiting for this. And ever because he knows I work at the theater. Tim, when's Top Gun coming? Like, when are we going to see Top Gun? Bah. It's all I've heard for, like, five years. And then it kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And now it's finally here. I call him up. I'm like, Grandpa, we could go Tuesday night at 7 or we could wait until Thursday and go at 7. Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, we got to go to the early one. We got to go. We got to do it. He rolls up in his leather jacket. We go into the theater. They were they were giving out little, like, pins and posters. This man, I tell you, was on cloud nine. He thought he was at, like, the most exclusive movie premiere in, in Wisconsin. It was incredible. He had such a fun time, and that honestly enhanced the movie for me because the first Top Gun is meh. I, I don't think it's a terrible movie, but it's not great. Uh, but he loves it so much to the point where when the movie opens and it has the same, like, um, thing about, about Top Gun, like, on the screen, like, the dialogue or the uh, the text comes up on screen, he literally grabbed me and he goes, that's, like, the first one. Like, he's seriously, like, so pumped. And every time, like, a jet was going, he's grabbing me, like, oh, my God. Like, he was just having the time of his life. 
and it 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 enhanced it so much for me by the end of the movie like we were like laughing and hugging and it was it was a beautiful beautiful night the movie ended and uh it's funny maggie went with her mom to the same showtime but they sat away from us um, because he wanted it to be a guy's night uh but the movie ended and we were all talking in the lobby and he looks at my mother-in-law and goes i didn't think they could do it but they did it and i was like and that's just like like i think that's the thing at the end of the day like the first movie you either love it or you hate it or you maybe you think it's a mad whatever but I don't. I, I think it's kind of undeniable. This movie's pretty fucking awesome. Like, there's an actual story and like characters to cling on to. Like, the action is incredible. Like, all of the visuals are so well done. And the third act really surprised me uh, because I actually cared with what was happening. Um, I also thought Miles Teller was really good in this. Like, I've always liked Miles Teller ever since Whiplash, but and spectacular now i guess but um he's really good in this and then boatman helped me out tall blonde and handsome glenn powell uh, glenn powell. powell really good in this as well i thought he was excellent i want to see him in way more stuff because when he pops up he's always pretty serviceable and good but this i thought he was really excellent and also cody have you seen it yet ed harris one scene and he's a dick so He's Ed Harris. It's wonderful. Uh, John Hamm is great in this. The it it's honestly like the whole summer movie package. It really is. Mm-hmm. And oh, and also Jennifer Conley is stunning. Like my God, she's gorgeous. The movie's fantastic. Uh, and you walk out of a movie to a sequel to a film that the McCaw says is quote hot garbage. You come out of the sequel, and she goes. It's my favorite movie of the year. Like, you know you got something good on your... You basically did. You said you had it ranked with No Time to Die, which was one that you were super surprised by. Anyway, great fucking movie. Cody, you already said you haven't seen it, but are you going to see it? Um, So I consider the first Top Gun arguably one of the weakest 80s movies. Like... I once argued it in a debate, which also hurt it because it was the first time I ever watched it, but it was considered, somebody considered it the top 80s action movie of all time, which there is no action. There's just a sexy volleyball scene and um, Danger Zone played 45 times. Um, But I've heard only great things about this movie. Um, So everybody's, (laughs) one, there are some people on Letterboxd that I don't trust at all. So when their reviews came in, I'm like, okay, whatever, cool. But then when the other people that I respected started putting high ratings on, I was like, okay, well, maybe we might have something on here. So, um, yeah, like Brian Michaels the, giving, like Brian Michaels giving this five stars, like you can't trust it. The man gave the first one a four and a half. Like you can't trust that shit. But no, not one person told me like the sky is like a character in this, so that trusted a little bit more. <laughs> so I was ready. To, I was ready to go in with the. With a uh, clean slate, so I'm excited. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm one. I was gonna wait for it to come to like on demand. I probably will, I will actually go to the theater because I think the action will hold up. So, plus, if I see Miles Teller shirtless one more time dancing around with his pedo stash on like all these videos, like I get it, but I'm I'm a little I, I'm a little uncomfortable. The man is ripped. He is, but I'm a little. Um, for me, I'm a little uncomfortable. Uh, Bowman, what did you think of it? 
I really liked it. The thing I really want to shout out, especially when compared to the first Top Gun, is that the mission makes sense and is well-defined and has clear parameters. Like, I don't know what is happening in the third act of the first Top Gun movie. Things just kind of happen. Whereas, like, that's what I love. I love action movies that clearly define the stakes, you know, what each character has to do, and then shows you what happens there, right? Like, a lot of action movies just kind of, it's pew, pew, pew explosions, and they just kind of say, oh, we're winning, oh, we're losing, oh, we're doing the right thing, oh, we need to do this. Whereas this movie, like, clearly sets up what needs to happen, and I love that. Uh, I'll let Payson bring up the best character in this movie, but Payson and I both have a character that we love. I will say the whole cast is great. Um, just, I, I love the new recruits. They're a lot of fun. They kind of make Miles Teller and Glenn Powell into kind of like the new Maverick and Iceman, and I think that dynamic works perfectly. Oh, also, did anyone know that Val Kilmer was going to be in this? I think he was. He's. I, I, I knew he was going to be in it. He's. Uh, he's. When they put his name up, like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, "Huh." But uh, okay, Payson, uh, you saw it. Tell us about why you liked the movie and why you liked Bob. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, there's a certain per- type of person, me and Boatman, that are going to identify with the uh, nerdy sidekick. That everyone kind of makes fun of, and justice for Bob. Bob is a badass. I love you, Bob. You're the best. Bob is the best. Yes, but no, I did. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, seeing this in IMAX was incredible. Like hearing the planes like whoosh around, like floor, like legit. Like I know it sounds like a stereo. Like oh, it's just a cliche to say it, but no. Like seeing this in the theater was incredible. Uh, like Tim said, I think the way they handled Iceman returning and everything with Val Kilmer was super respectful. Like that could have been that could have come off wrong, but I think the filmmakers handled it in the perfect way. Um, shout out to the directors and the writers of this movie for being responsible by making the enemy an unnamed country, like just unnamed evil country, like. It would, would have been better than just picking a random country and being like, you're the bad guys, like, especially in today's climate. But no, like, seeing Tom Cruise, like, the character of Maverick go into, like, this, like, mentor role. And I love how they just sort of say, like, dude, you could have been, like, an admiral, but you're kind of a dick. And you're kind of an idiot that, like, you're never going to, like, go past this point. And I love how it's finally, like, him so, sort of, like, identifying that. Um but yeah, I think this was way better than the original. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Tom Cruise, who is uh, in his mid-50s, is sneaking out after having sex from the person's window. That and scene like, is amazing. Dude, you're in your mid-50s. What are you doing? <laughs> and it was incredible. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Does Iceman bite at anybody at any point when he like, does that thing in the first one? Does he do that in this one? Uh, no. <laughs> then I'm out. I don't have any interest in seeing this whatsoever now. Uh, Jake, have you seen it yet? Uh, no, I'm with Cody. I'm going to see it. I just last week was not the greatest week for me. Um, but I, I, I did watch. I rewatched the first Top Gun last night, um, which I think is fine. That's some good stuff. That stuff yeah. doesn't work as well. But I will watch uh, Maverick eventually sometime this week, hopefully. Cool. 
All right, uh, Jake, why don't we stick with you for your favorite movie along this week? So, yeah, I haven't really watched a lot of movies. I only watched six movies for this week. So I'm trying to think of what, what's the one I kind of want to go with. Um, honestly, I watched rewatched Spider-Man 2 for a podcast, um, but I don't want to – I talked about Spider-Man to death. I talked about Spider-Man 2 the last time I was on. Um, sure. I'm going to talk about another one of my favorite movies, um, a film by Jason Reitman. Uh, it's just a really great drama called Up in the Air. Um, it's, I don't even know how it started for me, but I just remember watching it on TV, like 2010, 2011, like when it was out and just kind of really being invested and interested by this character, Ryan, Ryan Bingham, George Clooney's, uh, he is just so fantastic in this, this role. I really love this character. It's one of my favorite uh, characters ever. Um, I really just love his philosophy in life. It's just to have as little human personal connections as possible. The only connection he has with someone is, is Vera, um, yeah, Vera Farmiga, who um, yeah. is pretty much like very similar to him in the Cyrus philosophy, and they only meet up just so they can fuck. Um, but there's this whole thing with him firing people, and then, I mean, I, don't know if, I think we will know the movie at least, but him, he takes Anna Kendrick on and kind of goes around the, uh, the US and kind of shows how, how to fire people and how things are sort of changing for him. And there's a, there's a great sequence where him and Danny McBride are talking and he's starting to have cold feet. Um, and just basically says, everybody needs a co-pilot. Like, you know, we all, you know, life sucks. Like, we're going to get old. We're going to get fat. We're going to have kids. And then we're going to become, like, dead. We're going to be, like, what is the point in all of this? And it's like, well, sometimes the point is just to be with something, to do it with someone else. And I just kind of like how as as cold and nihilistic as I could be sometimes when it comes to life, it, it makes me feel like, you know what, there's actually a point to what we do living. And I, I really appreciate that in, in Up in the Air. And I also just think... The film is really funny. They they crash like a like a conference sort of party thing, and then they sneak onto a yacht, and it's just like just really fun stuff and really great ideas. And I just think the characters or the dynamics between the three central characters, and also just Ryan being and being who he is and his philosophy, is really fascinating. And yeah, I just one of my favorite like just comedy dramas for sure. Payson, uh, I have not seen it. I have heard nothing but great things about it from people in this community. So it does make me very, very excited to see it because when I hear great things about it from people in this community, it excites me. And yeah. Uh, I've seen it, but it was like when it came out and I haven't seen it since. So I, I need to give it a rewatch. Um, I rewatched like over half of Reitman's movies last year and I never like rounded it out. I kind oh. of fin- I finished what I had never seen before, but needed to i need to go and finish the rest of them the ones that i'd even seen including this one so uh cody uh the reason why i inserted a like handgun in my mouth and pulled the trigger is because uh, caleb coho is one of these people that decided (laughs) to put both performances on his list um from this movie um i don't get it fully um do i think the movie's fine sure absolutely i think I think um, I'm more of a Clooney fan than I realized, but I don't think anybody's like heavy lifting, doing great performances here or any great work. I think the script is what's really good in this. Like they, they read the line, they say the lines. I think, but I pretty much could pick any actor and actress combo. And I think they could do this performance. I really do. Um, and that's what I stand by. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I've heard it raved. And the reason why it's, he's, He's the, um, oh, I was going to say something bad. Okay. He just, he has a really bad habit of pumping things up and making them this 
grand thing, and then when I get to them, I have to knock them down like six pegs. So stop listening um, to Caleb Go. <laughs> listen, I work. I, I mean, I do a show with him every week. We talk. Mm. We talk, and I'm gonna find something out. You know, so. We're turning to this week's YLS because he has a topic. He is a person in his top 15, which is laughable. Absolutely laughable. And I can't wait till we get to that moment. So, yeah. And I have two seconds. But, yeah, up in the air. Fire people over the phone, over the computer, not in person. Sad. Uh, Caleb, your take. There is I, – I do really like the movie as a whole. There is a scene in this movie, though involving J.K. Simmons, that is an incredible moment. I love, I come back to that scene all the time because I, I think I, I, this is what I've realized. One of my favorite like tropes in movies is I love movies about people who are good at their jobs. When a person in a movie is just good at what they do, I love it. And I, scenes that show them be really good at what they do those are always awesome. And George Clooney is weirdly kind of the master of that. Like, he's he almost always is just really good at his job in whatever movie he's in. Like Michael Clayton, when he shows up, uh, you know, at the one guy, Michael Clayton, like, that's awesome. And in this, his speech to J.K. Simmons is like, it's like, oh, man, I wish that guy would fire me. Like, yeah, he's great in this. All right. Uh, Payson, we are on to you, I believe. Yeah, so uh, I have uh, been going through uh, this director who had a very limited run. Her name is Elaine May. Uh, she did three movies that are super well acclaimed and one movie that most people don't like to talk about, but it has its fan base. Uh, I watched Mikey and Nikki this week. It's a crime film from the 70s. Uh, really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh Essentially what it's about, it's about this guy, his name is Nicky, he stole some money from these uh, from these gangsters, and he calls his friend named Mikey, and he's like, hey, I need your help. And it's just them sort of, like, hanging out for a night, and, like, trying to get out of this stuff. Um, I love the di- dynamic. Peter Falk and John Cassavetes play the two lead characters, and I think they are great. Um, Peter Falk is so funny as Mikey is just this guy that's just sort of, like, done with Nicky's shit. But, like, doesn't want to push him away because at the end of the day, they are friends. And he does see him for, um, and he, and I guess he just sort of sees, like, the slight good things. And Nikki just keeps on being like, no, come on, man. I'm trying to get out. But he just keeps on making these, like, horrible mistakes. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when they visit the grave of one of their family members. And you really get, like, um, the explanations of their characters. Um, one of the funniest scenes in this movie is uh, Nikki goes to visit one of his old flames and just starts banging her while Mikey is in the literally in the room watching them. And he says, just act like no one's here. Just act like no one's here. And it's just the perfect dynamic of their character. Uh, Ned Beatty's really good in this. He had a great 1976 uh, with both this network and all the President's Men. But yeah, I just love the like source of friendship in this movie. It's kind of unorthodox, but it works really, really well, and I think Elaine May was really good at doing that. I think this is my second favorite of those three films, but uh, yeah, I really, really like this movie, and I think more people should try to watch it. I have not seen it, but it sounds interesting. Uh, Cody? It's on my watch list. I have not seen it yet. Boatman? 
Uh, this one's really good. This is probably my personal least favorite of Elaine May's three films, probably because I like her comedic stuff more. Uh, and uh, this one is probably the least comedic, but it's still really good. There is a scene in this that involves Mikey going to this diner oh, to get stuff for Nikki, and it's it's perfect. It's perfect. I do like this one. I would recommend uh, checking out Elaine May's two other 70s films. Uh, Heartbreak Kid uh, is my personal favorite. That's On a New Leaf is also fantastic. That one rocks, and she's great in it. Jake, I know you've seen this. Yes. Um, I was going to say, I I mean, I I think I watched this for the same reason that both Boy and Payson watched Mikey and Nikki, because podcast of some of us really love. See, it wasn't even for the podcast. I, I, wasn't, uh, I think yeah. it's Criterion release or something like that. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I've seen Mikey and Nikki. It's I'm with Bo. It's not my favorite of Elaine May's movies. Um, I love A New Leaf. I think that movie is so funny, and people need to watch that movie because it's like absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, absolutely funny. Walter Matthau and Elaine May are both like comedically like fantastic performances. Um, but Mikey and Nikki is just. It is what like what Payson has described it as like it's a it's them having conversations and going and just walking around and you know, there's some some things happen as far as um, like stakes wise um, especially the ending but um, yeah I just couldn't really connect to it I don't know if it was just like I was in a, a certain mood or I just wasn't you know feeling it for this one but I think what's more interesting about this movie is just Elaine May behind the scenes like she would just film like so much footage and she would just let the camera rolling while they just walk out of the shot and someone would be like they're out of the shot cold cut and she'd be like well they might come back into the yeah, shot they walk back. I, there's just so many interesting stories behind the scenes that i think is more interesting than the movie itself um i will admit that it's just not my type of movie um maybe if i rewatched it i would be kind of more into it but i think the movie's fine okay um, all right, we're going to move on to our least favorite movie that we logged this week. Cody, why don't you kick us off? So I could choose one, um, but everybody knows kind of how I feel about anything Lego related. Um, that <laughs> second part garbage, don't uh, even. It made the first one. with a couple people about this. <laughs> it made the first one look like an Academy Award winning film. Um the but i went with one that i was misled on so two movies came out i think in 97 same time they're both about volcanoes but i always presumed that dante's peak was the better version and i don't know if that's true yet i haven't watched the other one yet again but dante's peak is garbage (laughs) i'm just gonna be real honest with you um i've always been under the impression is in a disaster movie, I don't care how the actors act. I don't care how uh, the script is or the character development. How does the disaster perform? Like, do we get to see it wreck shop? Mm, not really. This is just basically boring-ass people and a volcano happens during this movie. That's it. This could have been any, like, like two people in my town just going for a stroll. Tornado. Don't believe any of these people are um, that know anything about a volcano because clearly they went on the right day at the right time at the wrong like for it to explode. But like everybody is like a giant block of wood, and you can just see it like in their face. Like it's just no one cares. No one is having any fun whatsoever. 
Um, the visuals are really bad, and like, it's yeah, it was just so boring. It was absolutely one of the most boring films. Um, Pierce Brosnan. Um, who else is? Oh, what's her Linda name? Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Um, oh, and there's a scene that's really funny. I don't care if this. There's a scene where the volcanoes, like, they know it's going to erupt. And the guy goes, just to let you know, I was wrong. You were right. This entire time you were right. Well, okay, awesome. He's going to die now. Like, there's no point to it whatsoever. But it's like this, wor- like, terrible emotion. It's like me saying when I apologize to Boatman. I kind of mean it, but you can't really tell. You know, like that. Like that's how that guy's <laughs> performance was. So, um, yeah, not his peak. I hope Volcano is better. I really do. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, definitely. Bowman, don't quote me on this, Cody. But from what I understand, uh, if Dante's Peak and Volcano are the equivalents to Deep Impact and Armageddon. Dante's Peak is the deep, deep Impact. Volcano is the Armageddon. In that Volcano is the more silly one, Dante's pay, Peak plays it straight. I don't know where that goes in terms of quality. Did Deep but... Impact give a, get a Criterion collection? No, that's all. No, but Armageddon did, so Volcano clearly has to be the better one. That's I'm not that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Armageddon would be on the best of this week if we were talking about it, okay? No, it wouldn't, but fair. Bowman, do you have anything to say about the film? Uh, Yeah, oh, I have seen this. I was going to say, oh, I haven't seen it. Yes, I have. I've seen seen Dante. That says a lot. That honestly should sum up everything you need to know about Dante's speak. It's just, it's bland and it's boring and it's forgettable. Jake. Uh, I have not seen it. I've seen Volcano, and I can't say quality-wise to Dante's Peak, but Volcano is pretty good. Good, Payson? I weirdly heard the same thing that Cody has, that, like, yeah, Dante's Peak is the better one, and hearing his opinions scares me a little, but no, I have not seen this movie. Okay. Uh, So, Boatman, why don't we go to you for your pick? Oh, I haven't seen it. Sorry. I skipped myself. I didn't watch anything terrible this week, uh, but uh, I've been kind of on a DreamWorks run, and uh, I watched Abominable, and I was eh. I don't hate it or anything, but it's. I think that the environments and the Yeti are a lot of fun, and that's like entertaining. I think the human characters are all kind of annoying. And like, not to an insane degree, but just to the point where it's like, I don't really care about any of this. So it's, it's not the worst thing ever, but I don't like it. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's not amazing. It's not uh, terrible. I agree. The human characters are all pretty annoying, except for the main character I like. Um, But all of the side characters are pretty obnoxious, including all the villains. The villain is very annoying um yeah and the the i forget what they call the snowman uh everest everest yes thank you he's cute two points yeah (laughs) not playing anymore uh he's no i'm just giving bowman points two points oh uh yeah i know he's cute he's got some fun stuff to do but nah yeah i remember seeing this and being really excited and was kind of let down so cody 
Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I saw this come out, and no, no. Um, I don't know if my kids know it exists, to be honest with you, and I kind of, I, I don't think it's bad. Don't get me wrong. Like, we watched the second part, Lego, and I wish we would watch Abominable, but overall, um, yeah, no, no thanks. Not bad. Jacob, don't have, have kids. I have not seen this, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and Payson. I I remember I saw this once. I saw it in theaters. I don't remember much from it. Um, all that I remember is that there's a Yeti, and that's about it. I will say, of the two Yeti movies, I do think Smallfoot is better. The first half, you'll be like, Payson, why do you like this movie? And the second half, you'll be like, oh, that's why. It gets weird, Smallfoot does. Yeah, it does. I've seen both. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll move on then to my pick. Uh, I watched a film this week. I don't know if I could call it a film. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a more, like, a movie that I've just, like, felt gross watching. Uh, but I felt really gross throughout the entirety of 1981's Heavy Metal. Uh, this is bad uh i watched this because as i explained a few weeks ago with i frankenstein uh my brother-in-law robert parker uh buys movie or asks me to buy movies for him on my voodoo so he can watch them and then he pays me back this was one of them that uh you know fandom doesn't have this but but some but something else has it so he he needed to watch it and then i watched it and it's 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 not good. It's like a 12-year-old boy's sex fantasy that he drew out on screen. All it is is just, it's a cartoon, and it's just like Masters of the Universe mixed with porn. Like, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. There's just tits on screen for, like, half of the movie. And How would I, you write a question based on it? I don't need to... <laughs> I don't need to... Uh, in 1981 style anime 2d animation see a bunch of characters fucking and then fighting with swords like it doesn't like it doesn't it's it's so the way it's done is just gross uh, apparently there's a sequel that i also have on voodoo because of robert uh, so i'm not excited to watch what's that, that called heavy metal 2000 did it come uh, out so in 2000 so better graphics, but more sex, probably. Yeah, maybe. But I, uh, Cameron, I believe this is a, um, I believe it's a based off a comic book. Maybe I don't know. I don't know it's why the bad, I don't know yeah. why the fuck this isn't geek. Uh, it shouldn't be. Uh, if, if you're, I, I, I've apologized to people that play in that league a lot, but man, like, I'm really sorry for you now. This, this is, this is a rough one. Well, Ivan Wright, yeah. The cast is like it actually has it's like John Candy's in it. Um, there's like some weird cat. I think Ivan Reitman might be one of the voices. He might do a voice in it too. I don't fucking know, man. It was bad. And it's funny because like I've heard of this movie and I've like seen the poster. It just got a 4K Blu-ray. Like it's clearly got some sort of following that enough people will rebuy it a bunch of times. And I remember seeing the um the poster a bunch of times and i was like at work 
and I was closing for the night and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to turn on something to watch while I close or whatever. And like, and then all of a sudden there's just like tits and I'm like, ah, I like have to like turn off my phone. Cause I just thought it was like an animated action movie, but no, the fuck get it together. Geek. Uh, Cody. <laughs> Has well, anyone here seen this? Like, no, but I will say, like, I don't even know why people would watch it for the Schmodown. They don't just ask, like, John Candy stars in what porn uh, movie. Uh, so, uh, well, if you're from a certain place, they'll probably actually ask a deep cut question about, like, the background anyway, of this movie. Anyways, I have no clue um, wow, why you'd watch that, but um, I'm proud of you. Boatman. No. Payson, Jake. I know this, and I know exactly everything that Tim said is essentially the uh, the base of what I know. I know if a girl shows up in this movie, you know what's going to happen. Next week, watch along. Happy metal, everybody. Tune in. Happy metal. This is not a Ralph Bakshi movie, correct? I don't. It looks like it. But it looks like it could be, but I don't think it is. It was direct. It has like multiple directors. It has one, two, three, four. Five, Isn't it like an anthology thing? So it's like yeah, it's like an anthology thing. thing. Yeah. Isn't there one where like a boy turns into an adult? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. And if he doesn't, have I'm, sex not, with someone, I'm stopping then, there. Um... I'm stopping there. I'm stopping there. Okay, <laughs> e- Eugene Levy, Harold Ramis, John Candy. Did they think um, it was a comedy? Maybe it is a comedy. Like it's. I don't. They like, made the right Andy like, Kaufman prank. You understood Wait. the assignment when you picked worst movie. I think you. You think you hit the nail. It's a six point six on Ron on IMDb. It's crazy. Yeah, that's weird. All right, um, Jake. Let's go to you. Or, oh. Yeah, we already went to. Was, Jake. Oh yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, well, like, like I said, I haven't really watched a lot of movies, Spider-Man. and a lot of them have been good. Shut up, Cody. Hell yeah, that's a good show. I like that show. That's is that that's that's nice. I like that. Um, but there is one movie that I did watch that I watched just because the new Kenobi show is coming came out. Um, which funny enough, I still haven't seen the first two episodes of. So I'll get to. I saw this on your letter, yeah. I'm talking about Revenge of the Sith, guys. Um, yeah, I people like to say it's the best of the prequels, and I do think that is an accurate statement. Um, but that does not say that the quality of the movie is good. Um, I do remember watching this back in 2005. Um, I was on holidays in Melbourne and we went and saw it. It was a choice between that and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, And everyone who knows me knows I love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory much more than this. And I wish I saw that instead, but I digress. Um, Revenge of the Sith is just really, really dumb. (laughs) And I just, I hate the dialogue. I think probably the most out of any aspect of the movie. Apparently, Lucas got someone else to to do like a proofread of the the script doctor to to do to finish the dialogue and all that, but it still sounds like discount Shakespeare. Like it's because I'm so in love. No, it's because I'm so in love with you. It's just I get you're trying to be beautiful. Like this is supposed to be so like poetic, and it just doesn't. It was work. a third grader that proofread it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think. Some of the action is great. Like, I love the opening. I think that whole opening, them going down, and then it's just focusing on the two starfighters um, going to previous um, 
Grievous's ship and that whole sequence I think is really good. Um, some of the comedy in that is actually kind of funny with like RTD2. Um, but then once they land the ship on Coruscant, it uh it really just goes down for me. Um Anakin is such a whiny asshole. Ugh, they put me on the council, but they didn't make me a Jedi Master. This is bullshit. Like, and then he talks about how oh, everyone should stand trial. Like he's about he window is about to kill Palpatine. He's like, he should stand trial. And he's like, no, he's too dangerous to be alive. And then later on, he's he's okay killing younglings and the um the fucking uh the what the fuck the Newt Gunray and all those the separatists. He's fine killing them. They they're okay not to stand trial because Palpy told me to. I guess um. But yeah, I just and then everyone loves that that ending Obi Wan Anakin fight, which goes on for so fucking long and it's just overly choreographed. Like I will take, I will take Luke versus Darth Vader in 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 Re- Return of the Jedi any day over over this, just because I love the. There's so much at stake between those two in that movie, and I also just love how there's one shot specifically when the camera pans and they're just being like lit by the lightsaber colors. I just think like just. Just simplicity. Um, Revenge of the Sith just goes way too bombastic. Um, and it also just cramps so much story. And it's like, we got to try and get him to be Darth Vader in like two hours and 20 minutes. And I feel like they could have done a better job at that. Oh, uh, yeah. So Revenge of the Sith, uh, not a good movie. Payson. Yeah, I do enjoy this movie. Um, I, I do think it is the best of the prequels, mainly just because I think. I don't think the bad parts in the prequels are as bad as uh, this one. Um, granted, I have not seen it since I was maybe like 12. Um, like Jake said, the relationship between Anakin and Padme is very stupid. Um, the turn that Anakin has from when he actually becomes Darth Vader is kind of dumb. I do enjoy the Order 66 scene. I do think that is still an emotional scene. I think the score really hits well. Um, I do personally really like the Luke vs. Obi-Wan Jedi, like, lightsaber duel. It's not my favorite lightsaber duel, mainly because I do kind of see the, oh, oh, they're back. See the, um... Don't bring attention to it. Um, see the, um, the over-choreographed thing, I think weirdly, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul, I think is kind of like the sweet spot between, like, choreography and, like, still, like, not going overboard. But I do, but yeah, I will say I do enjoy this, but I get why people still do not like this one because it's not wonderful. Um, yeah, I have a weird relationship with the prequels in that they're like that. Um, I, I, I just I feel like everybody has that movie or those that set of movies where they what are you looking for? right here there you go uh, so i everybody has those movies that they grew up watching that like I, I would venture to say boatman would consider chicken little a movie that he really likes because of how much he watched it as a kid and he probably doesn't think it's that great of a movie oh either. absolutely that a thousand percent that's how i feel about the prequels as really I really like is honestly a little strong but i get what you're going for. yeah you get what i'm throwing out um I love the prequels. I hate the prequels. I love them because they are my childhood and I saw them in the theater and this was, it was, it was huge when I was growing up. So like that's, it was star Wars for a long time. I will say that like, and then as I got older, 
I liked them less and less, but I still will watch like if after this Cody was like, Tim, you want to watch Attack of the Clones? I'd be like, sure, let's do it. And I would watch it like I would like I hate them, but I love them. And I know every word to all three of these movies. That being said, uh, I, I, I agree. I think this is the best of the three. Um, I think this movie has been enhanced because of other stuff like Clone Wars specifically. Like I just finished watching Clone Wars and I really, really liked the series. And so that has kind of uh, helped my perception of this movie, whether that's a good thing or not. I mean, just they do a really good job of showing Anakin slowly becoming into what he is in this movie and when it feels very abrupt in the movie i think the show helps um kind of paint that picture a little bit better so it's given me a lot of backstory that i has helped me enjoy the movie more um i think the action is good i i like the opening space battle um i agree people that say that the um the final fight, the lightsaber duel is the best one. I, I just don't agree. I think I agree. I think it's way over choreographed. I think it starts good. Um, but I agree. I think it goes on for a little bit too long. It just gets a little bit too ridiculous. Um, as far as like lightsaber duels go, I'm much more into the emotional stakes of a lightsaber fight. And that I, I forget if it was Payson or if it was Jake that said it, but like, the Obi-Wan Qui-Gon Maul fight, I think, is the perfect mix of like choreography yeah. and the fight and the emotion. But I have strong nostalgia for the for the lightsaber fight. But if you actually look at it, it's very impressive because that is you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen doing a lot of the stunts and a lot of the choreography. And that's very impressive, but it just it doesn't feel real. It feels like two guys memorized a dance and are dancing For two months and, and, it, and, it's, and it's impressive but it's and everybody the the thing that jake posted in his review where they're literally <laughs> just standing there spinning their lightsabers and they're not even hitting each other is, is the <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in pretty much any star wars lightsaber fight. it's really dumb but again i have the movie at a three star like it's it's mid star wars for me it's not ever going to be one of my favorites but i don't think it's a piece of shit I just also, I'm going to step on Cody a little bit here, but I, I love me some Sheev Palpatine. So to see him show up and be a badass is something that I love. Him fighting Yoda. I like that fight more than I like the fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan. So, uh, no, there's good shit in here. There's also some really bad shit. So, uh, Cody. So I hate Star Wars. Um, I, I, I just, I hate it. Um, and it's not because it's just the fans suck. Um, this community sucks with it. Um, there's just so much to go along with it. There's so many trivia questions that I don't even, I will never even be able to sniff an answer from. But with that being said, there are parts of this movie that I, I think this one gets the better rap because of how much I really hate the first two of this prequel. Like I hate the first two with a lot of passion. Um, um, there are stuff that I absolutely love in this movie. I will still say I still think the instant fight is the best fight. Um, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, 
I love the dialogue at the end, especially between Hayden and um, Obi-Wan. Like, I like that scene a lot. Um, the stuff I hate, I think General Grievous is one of the stupidest characters in Star Wars history. I've never understood it. I He is a robot. Like, pick him up and throw him in something. Like, I don't know why we're letting him swing lightsabers at us at any point. Like, he's not for, like, he's the robot with lightsaber. Like, at the end of the day, like, kill kill him, Obi-Wan. This is really stupid. Um, but the one thing I do love, um, my favorite character in Star Wars, it's not Vader, it's not, it's Emperor Palpatine. Chief Palpatine is by far my favorite character. Um, he's the only one the prequels do not, do, like, destroy. He does an absolute great job from beginning to end with the character. I think it's rushed. I agree with Jake. Like, I, it's kind of hard to, but I'd rather have like another movie or something like him to set up like the reign of evil because he does go from zero to one hundred and ten really quick. Both of them do. But I, when those lightsabers come out and he goes, "I am the Senate." Oh, there's no better point in a movie for me. Like. I've watched that scene more times than I can go because just how he does it and how he's like able to manipulate everybody. Absolutely great. But yeah, I agree. I, I counted today. I think they're like overall, if I consider good, like good or, or to great movies on star Wars, there's like four in my book, maybe five, but like that's, I don't have that many. I don't love the, I don't love it. Um, and everybody tell me to go watch Obi one. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just I'm so checked out of Star Wars. It's not really even funny. Like I, I just want to be. You watched Mandalorian. I have. I watched eight episodes. I haven't even seen when the one person returns at the very end of the one. I know that he's there, but like I know that. But I don't know if I care to watch it. Boatman. Yeah, it's it's not good. But there are. I will say there are good things about this one. I like the Darth Plagueis the Wise scene. I think that's actually a really good sequence. Uh, there, there are some other good things here, but over it still has so many prequelisms, and I just I don't care enough about Star Wars any in general. So that's part of the problem. Would it be better if there was a diner scene? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think this is better than the movie with a diner scene. So at least that proves I'm objective. But at the same time. But if it was Star it was Wars diner set scene, in a diner, the whole what? movie set in a diner, how much would it go up? Cody, have you looked at my reviews for any Star Wars movie? No, but I know, but I just love every time that you tell somebody, like, they comment on something, you're like, go watch Diner. It's my favorite. <laughs> yes, you should go watch Diner. Diner uh, is great. It's Basic. a very mad movie, but I guess. We're on to you. It's a yeah. good movie. Come on, Jason, bring it up. Uh, like I said, I'm going through best original screenplays, um, and I watched one of the weaker ones I think I've seen thus far. Uh, 1955's Interrupted Melody. The fact that this one best original screenplay, there must not have been too many good original screenplays. All right, let me explain to this movie. This movie is two halves. The first half is barely a film, and here's why. Not saying, like, oh, it's horrible, like, because, okay, maybe it's not, like, the worst thing, but let me explain to you why this is so boring. I'd say you might get, like, two minutes of dialogue, and then you just go into a five-minute opera scene. Because this movie is about an aspiring opera singer. And this happens probably about seven times in the first hour. We're just, I love you, we can't be together, opera scene. 
Another scene. We, I love you. Oh, maybe we should be together. Another opera scene. It's boring as shit. Uh, the opera singer comes from Australia. I'm sorry, Jake, but like, it's not great. Um, and the second half is really weird because she gets injured and she can't walk. And it's set a little in the future and they end up getting married. And there's a really strange scene where the guy's like, I want to prove to her that her injury is in her head. So he puts music on that she hates and says, leaves the room. She's handicapped, by the way, and says, turn it off yourself. And you see her struggling and yelling to try and turn the scene off. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's really bad. I, I, I did not enjoy it. Uh, and I was shocked to see someone in this call had seen this movie. And I really want to hear what they had to say. But yeah, Interrupted Melody. Not... Not a very good movie, and if I'm being honest, at the bottom of my screenplay rankings thus far, 14 movies in. Haven't seen it. Don't think I ever will. Uh, Cody. Uh, so I'm currently doing the same thing as Payson. Um, I, I did Best Actor. Uh, me and Boatman kind of do this as um, torture kind of to ourselves, to be honest with you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the few and far between of how much I love this. Yeah, um, yeah, I've seen a total of 24 of these so far. Um, of rewatches, I'm watching all of them, including rewatches, and um, this is my 24. Um, I had to rewind this film because after like 40 minutes, I said, This is original screenplay, right? I don't think they've talked, (laughs) and all this sound was the most brutal sound to my ears possible. Oh, she's not a good singer, I hate. I hate operatic music in general. Like, if you, like, put, like, polka and, like, this next to it, I don't know which one I would shoot first. But it plays, and I'm just like, I, like, the first time ever, I was like, maybe Coho has a point. If I put this on two times, I can get this don't, done. Don't do it. Don't do it, Coho. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be a better man. Don't go to the dark side. <laughs> But I was like, what happened that year? I haven't looked up the nominees of this year, but like... It's all movies you haven't heard of, I will say. Okay, so that's probably <laughs> why. But like, the the second half of this is very awkward and very uncomfortable. Like, that scene where you like, turn off yourself, like, what's the point? He's, like, claiming, he's claiming Grandpa Joe, which you shouldn't do. Like, Grandpa Joe happens in one of... I don't know, but... Yeah, it was just, uh, there was, uh, the dialogue that was spoken, not great, and the operatic music, absolutely awful. Like, they cast this person that should just not have done it. Also, I do want to say this random thing. I Shout out Ryan Permison, haven't seen him in a long time. Comes in the chat and swimming, talk about Star Wars. I absolutely That's what I was thinking love well. it. I absolutely love it. You are, you are a... <laughs> A scholar, sir. You are an absolute scholar. But yes, when I saw this on your letterbox, I said, please talk about this movie oh, because I've been dying to tell, ask somebody else. It's so bad. It's not good. Bowman. Haven't seen it. Can't Jake. wait. Uh, I have not seen it. I might do a, like, a screenplay, like watch along and shit, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to watch Introduction Melody now. Watch oh, Father Goose. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to move on to the main part of the show. Uh, so we are talking about uh, movies that we wish 
we saw in the theater. And Cody, you are going to kick us off. What is your first pick for the list? Okay, so I'm going to get my obvious one out of its way. I've, I've said this so many times. It is on brand. Don't shoot the messenger. I understand I'm going to get eye rolls and be like, oh, my God, you could have picked anything. But I stand by it. Um, this is What I took is the first time I'm seeing this movie. Not that I've already seen this movie. This is one that I would love. My very first viewing, I would love to have saw in the theater. And I'm 1990. I'm doing Jurassic Park. I'm doing Jurassic Park because for that doesn't I, mean I roll. Well, I know it just is such an obvious one overall. Um, I could have picked something different, but Jurassic Park I've seen in the theaters. It still has that same magic that I love. Um, but to be the first time to hear the score, to see the park open, to see, uh, oh God, what's his name? I can't think. Of, I know it's Sam Neil, but like. Alan Grant. Alan Grant take off the glasses and look at the first time on the big screen and have that score hit. I just feel like, and I was two years old when this happened, you know, so like I, there wasn't, even if I did see it, there's no, I, nothing up here that she tells me I've seen it. Um, it's just something that I just don't think can ever be match. Um, I again say what you want about the movie. I understand, like, they're like some people don't absolutely love everything about the movie. Mike thinks it's perfect, but it's just that opening to see that, like, a blockbuster like that, absolute uh, would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I uh, do really enjoy the first Jurassic Park. I think it's just, you know, uh, an amazing blockbuster. And yeah, I've never seen it in the theater, and I think it's definitely one that a theatrical experience would absolutely, with no question, enhance. Also, if I would have saw this in theater, I think it would be the hardest thing, to, like my first viewing, I think it would be the hardest thing to move off like a top 10, top 20 of all time list for you, because it should be that burned into your brain, I just don't think it moves at that point. Like, I get so why Mike Hanley yeah. has the opinion right. he does, because he was like, what? Six, yeah, yeah little kid, yeah. Like, yeah, no, I get that. Jake, um, yeah, I mean, this is the first movie I saw uh, this year. Um, actually, uh, it was, it was actually a fun time. Yeah, call, remember that? Yeah, um, um, yeah, but I will be rewatching the whole Jurassic World Park movies when Dominion comes out. Um, but yeah, this is like a fantastic movie. This is one that like one of the first like modern blockbusters that we still talk about today. Like it's been what, like 30, almost 30 years. Um, and it's still holds like so much cultural uh, significance uh, for the, um, for everyone. And yeah, I would like to have seen this in the theater. I unfortunately was not, uh, I did not exist uh, in 1993, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one that like, that cinema experience is, I feel, a reason why it was the highest grossing movie of all time. Like, it was a huge deal at the time, and still is. Payson. Yeah, I mean, Jurassic Park is one of the greatest blockbuster films of all time. Like, if you think, like, oh, it can't be that good, it still is that good. And yeah, like Cody said, like, the moment when you see the dinosaurs for the first time, Seeing that for a first time in the theater, that would be just pure 
pure movie magic. Seeing the opening, like when they're feeding the raptors, like that would be incredible. Um, yeah, I've, I, I have seen this one in theaters. It's a ton of fun. But yeah, seeing it for the first time would have been incredible. Um, yeah, I've, I have seen this in the theater as well. Obviously, it wasn't the first time I saw it. But I saw it uh, when they did the 3D re-release in 2013. And then um, I saw it again uh, later on with Maggie. We, we saw it in the theater during like a Steven Spielberg series at, at the theater by us we saw that in jaws so um no it's it's a great movie i just we just rewatched it a couple weeks ago we've been watching all of them as we get ready for the new one and uh it's a blast um there's there's not much i can really complain about the movie it is it is one of those movies that is so enhanced by seeing it in the theater even if you've seen this movie a hundred times watching it in the theater it is like new it's it feels so different um and it, it, it's a great theater experience. So I, I, every time this one is playing, I like to go and see it uh, if I can. It's always fun. Same with Jaws. So, uh, okay. Um, that was everybody on Jurassic Park, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Boatman, what is your first pick? You know, I, th- I feel like a lot of classic movies are enhanced by the theater theatrical experience because TV wasn't even really TV or DVD or whatever at home wasn't even really in consideration when these films were being made. And I think one film that I still do love outside of the theater, but I would love to see in the theater would be the good, the bad, and the ugly. This, oh, sorry, Jake. Uh, I took mine, but. I think epic scale of the good, the bad, and the ugly on the big screen would be so amazing. Just because it is, it's it's a super long movie, and I think longer movies work better in the theater, in my opinion. Because there's just there's nothing to distract you. There's nothing else. Like you just kind of get to absorb the movie. Uh, and man, how great would that final shootout be in a theater? Like, oh man, like, and hearing that music like blast through the speakers, ah, like, oh man, would be awesome. Jake, you were gonna pick this, it sounds like. What, what, what's your take? This is my number one pick, god damn it. Uh, yeah, this movie's fantastic. This is like when you talk about like what type of movies you want to see in the cinema that you haven't, like, like cinematography and sound is like the, the two aspects that I think I, I always try to think about when it comes to these type of movies and this uh, topic. Like the score to this movie is one of the greatest scores of all time. Like Ennio Morricone is is noted for his good, the bad, the ugly theme. Like we still celebrate it as one of the greatest scores of all time. Uh, the cinematography, the way that uh, Sergio Leone is able to capture the extreme close-ups and also the extreme wide shots, especially during that whole last third act is just incredible. It's so like fantastic the juxtaposition that he's able to do um i just think it's just yeah like it's for a movie that's two hours and 40 minutes it has the the pacing of of a film that goes for 100 minutes like he lets everything play out as it is and he doesn't rush through anything but you're just so invested by everything that goes on for a movie that's about three people trying to find gold in a cemetery like it's really really like in, in investing to watch it um yeah this is this is my number one pick like by a long shot i was really hoping no one would pick this but 
That means I have more choices, I guess. Um, but no, this is yeah, this is the greatest choice ever. I love it. Um, I have not seen this, so I don't have much to say. Uh, Payson. Yeah, this is probably like top five, maybe top three blind spots, but that I have not seen. But yeah, I've heard nothing but great things. And from what Boat and Jake just said, it sounds like it would be an incredible theatrical experience. Okay. Uh, Jake, do you have a backup pick? Oh, I don't I... think Cody got to talk on. Oh, sorry, Cody. My bad. Go ahead, Cody. My bad. Um, no. Uh, um, yeah, I didn't think about this one. Um, I really should have thought about this one. Like, I agree. I think it would have been absolutely incredible to see this in theaters, especially my first time viewing. I thought, like, man, this is a massive scope. Like, I can just, like, watching it. Um, yeah, so to see it in theaters would definitely enhance it even more. So, um, good choice, Bo. Okay, uh, Jake, now we'll go to you. What is uh, your pick? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think what my second choice is going to be. I think I'm going to go with, yeah, let's, this is one, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with this one. It's a Tarantino movie. Um, you know, I only started watching his films in the cinemas in 2013 when Django came out. Um, well, in January 2013. Um, and I unfortunately did not see A4A. I would like to have seen that, but of course I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But there's a couple movies back that I wish I saw that I uh, I never really, that I just never had the chance to, and so it'd be a perfect double feature. Uh, but I'm only going to pick one just because I don't want to get uh, chastised when I pick. But I'm going to pick uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 as my choice. Um, to be fair, actually, you know what? Scratch that. Kill Bill The Whole Bloody Affair. I can fucking play it. Let's say that. Um, I have not seen The Whole Bloody Affair. I would love to. That would be a, a fantastic experience. Um, but I just I love, love Kill Bill. I love Kill Bill Volume 1. I love Volume 2. Um, I like Volume 1 a little bit more, but... I think what's great about the whole bloody affair is that I can watch the whole story in its entirety, in its however long, 300 minutes or however long it is. <coughs> Sorry. Um, just the fact that he combines the samurai genre and the Western genre into one movie as a celebration of those um, genres, I just think is so great. And to tie it all together is this epic revenge story uh, fr from the bride and her sort of goal of killing these five people to see it on the screen with Tarantino's trademark use of like uh, soundtrack and taking music from other media and other films to create this the story, I think is just would be a fun experience to watch in the cinema, especially the the battle without honor or humanity uh, music. That's that's Oren Ishii's um, kind of thing. The I just think that would be so great to see in the cinema when she enters the. Um, uh, the, the crazy 88 uh, action sequence. I think that would just be like so much fun to watch. The action just would be amazing to see. Like the whole crazy 88 fight scene, beautiful to watch in the cinema, I reckon. That would just be so good. And then the, the showdown with Oren Ishii. And then going into the second one with the fight with um, Daryl Hannah, um, California Mountains. Day, I think that would be so good to see. Just, just great. What's, what, that's what I love about, and it kind of ties in with Sergio, Sergio Leone, is that the way he's able to combine cinematography and sound and kind of use them to really create the, the greatest cinematic experience is what we all love about movies, about the movies. And I think that's what I would love to see Kill Bill Volume, Kill Bill the whole bloody affair in the cinema. And also just the fact that I haven't seen it and there's a couple, some aspects of small scenes that 
I haven't seen. So I think that'd be good. Payson. Yeah, uh, like Jake, I have never seen Kill Bill the Whole Bloody Affair. I literally cannot see Kill Bill Blood, the Whole Bloody Affair. But uh, yeah, I think this is an excellent choice. I've seen both Kill Bill movies. I also really prefer Volume 1, but I also think Volume 2 is great. And yeah, just seeing that Crazy 88 scene would be excellent. I think seeing like the opening of Kill Bill Volume 2, just like that conversation between the bride and Bill, I think would be great. And yeah, I think this is a really, really great and unique choice. Uh, yeah, I am, uh, I wouldn't consider myself a huge Kill Bill fan. Like I, I, I really like volume one. Uh, I've only seen volume two once. Uh, I've seen volume one a few times, but volume two, I've only, I've only been uh, able to watch it once. And so, um, I really like part one. I remember liking volume two, but not as much. Uh, it might've just been when I watched it. I don't know, but um, I, I like Tarantino. And so I, I would watch any of his movies in the theater any day of the week. Like he, he makes movies for the cinema uh, 100%. Uh, Cody, I know you're a big fan of this. What do you think? Yeah. So I've seen the whole bloody affair. Um, um, but I really wish the first time I would have viewed it was on in the theater. Um, it honestly made my appreciation for Kill Bill even more watching it together as one whole thing. Because, um, I, I mean, I understand, like, it's not technically, it's two separate movies, but they play so well together. And, like, you know, the director also says it's one film, so I'm going to count it as one film, too. Um, I just think it's absolutely incredible. Um, it's a little, still a little, like, it's, I think it's, like, four or five on my uh, my overall Tarantino. But, um, yeah, you'd get me in the theater to watch any Tarantino film. Yeah, besides one, you, you'd have me. So, yeah. Boom. Yeah, uh, I, I'm on record as saying I prefer volume two because I haven't seen them in one sitting. And maybe in one sitting just right after the other could vastly improve both. All right. Doesn't Whole Bloody Affair, like, change the order a little bit? Um like, is there a difference between just watching them back to back? In there's a there's a middle there? part, but yeah, no, not really. I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much it doesn't move like chronological anything. It just okay. stories come on. Yeah, you're you'll be fine. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, then we will move on to Payson. Your first pick. Yeah. Um. I took this not just like a movie I wish I saw for the first time in theaters. I took it sort of like as like a time travel thing of like. Which one could you have seen like when it opened? Yeah. And when I th think that, I would love to go back to April 3rd of 1968 and sit in the theater and see how the general public and everyone around reacted to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, not only is 2001 A Space Odyssey, not only is it just an incredible movie on like its own right, like it's such a technical achievement and like a visual marvel um but like you hear the reactions of like there were critics walking out of screenings no one knew like no one could quite comprehend like what it was about like people were going insane like trying to find the meaning of it and i just think that would be fascinating to like hear and like see that discourse like live and like just like i said just like seeing this in a theater just 
that opening like 30 minutes with like the bone with the, the gorilla with the bone like one of the greatest edits of all time as far as i'm concerned is the bone flying up into the air and then just going right into space like maybe my favorite like cut ever uh of course the 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 final like 20 30 minutes of this movie just no dialogue you're just seeing like everything the movie had built up but you're literally just seeing it like all sort of like recapped in 30 minutes when you get the space baby which is sort of like stanley kubrick saying like look we could end up being our own destruction but there's a chance that we could also like live on and of course just everything with how just like as someone who has seen it in theaters like the sound and the mood of it when you're there you feel so like empty in a way and i know that's hard to describe just like the dead noise of just space i think is incredible and yeah, if I could have seen this for the first time in theaters, I think that would have been incredible. First time Maggie saw this was in theaters. Uh, oh, she's so lucky. It's so cool. Uh, 2001. She rolled her eyes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we went and saw this in the theater when it was uh, re- released in IMAX back in September of 18. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, there was an intermission and they, they actually put the intermission in there and everything. And it was, it was incredible. Uh, I love this movie. This is one of those ones where like, I didn't think I was going to like it. And I, I just, I loved it. Uh, I, the 4k has been out for a while, but I also, this is a movie with like, as for as much as I love it, I'm not like in the mood to watch it a lot. So I've been like waiting and waiting to buy that 4k. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this. So I, I bought a bunch of Kubrick 4ks and I'm going to, I'm going to watch his movies again this year. And so I, it's on my to-do list, but I, I love the movie. Um, I I've only seen it like three times. So, and the, the third time was in the theater. So my most recent experience with it was uh, in theaters, but yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. I agree with that. Like uh, the discourse thing that kind of goes into my pick a little bit too, when we get there. So good, good on you, Payson. So I agree with that. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Cody. How people reacted that day. You can't sleep here. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't get up the walk. Boring. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I will not get it. Never. I'm so bored by this movie. Um, yeah. I think maybe in theaters it would add a lot. But for watching at home, God, I need a shot of adrenaline to keep myself up during this movie. Uh, Caleb. No, I actually think a theatrical experience would make me like this movie more. So you don't like the movie? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's not what I said. I said like it more. No, that's fair. You just you haven't. That's all you said. I didn't know. Like, that's, I, that's fair. I think this movie's. I don't love the first hour of this movie. It's not. I get it, but I think once we actually get to like the house stuff, the movie yeah. is great. But do you like There's this movie? There's like 20 minutes of a floating pen, and I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care about the floating pen. If we've learned something about basic movies that are set like in space that have no plot or no direction, he loves Dune. This I get it. I'm finding the 
correlation. He's not like the only person he loves doing in this community. I know he's very he's very adamant about it. I'm just finding things that he likes. I'm getting to know. There's also just I don't yeah. love the stuff with the monkeys at the beginning. It's like okay. Yeah, I love that. I love the monkeys. I love this. Monkeys. Is just really pretentious. A little this bit. is the stuff that I just no, want to grab Tim and shake him. I'm sorry. Because he's like, uh, watches that movie, goes, mm, just not, not for me. Just wouldn't work this movie. Oh. You hear yes. a symphony play. Crazy. Different people have different tastes. It's okay. He's, he, no, I know what he likes. And then he goes, I like this. What? Makes no sense. <laughs> it's like Coho with the Green Knight. No one can explain that crap to me to this day. Why he is the biggest stand for the Green Knight. Green Knight's great. You can like the Green Knight. Coho physically can't like it. It makes no sense. It's very weird. Um, Jake, two thousand one. Um, I actually did see this in the uh, the cinema. Uh, it wasn't my first viewing, but it was I think like my third or fourth. Um, they had, they had the whole fifty anniversaries, so back in twenty eighteen, uh, got to see it in the cinema. Um, and it was just fantastic. Um, I I loved the experience of watching it in the cinema. Like it felt like that's how Kubrick, you know, had made the movie to be. Like in theaters, in cinemas, like what Bert had said, like VHS and DVD wasn't a thing. Like TV wasn't. A thing where you watch the movies on until like the 80s when vhs was a thing like you could watch a home video and all that but to watch it in the cinema and just to i kind of just had that mindset of i'm watching this movie the way kubrick had intended how people saw it in 1968 and just that experience is just like fantastic i, I love 2001 i think it's one of the greatest visually like most beautiful movies ever made and I also just love what the movie's about and what it's trying to say about humanity and, and life and the universe. It's just it's just my type of movie that I just really, really gravitate towards. Um I yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Uh all right, we'll move on to uh my first pick. Um so I like Payson am going through or going to pick something for my first pick that's like I had the same type of idea of like if I'm were if I were time traveling and uh, if I were to go to the theater to see something when it came out that like what the buzz was like be a part of like that experience. Moonraker. Yeah, you got it, Moonraker. Uh, I love love Roger Moore era Bond. Play uh, the good head in this film. I want to yeah, it's greatest. Uh, no, I I am going with 1973's The Exorcist. Uh, this is probably my favorite horror movie i don't again it's another one that i don't watch a lot um because it, i it actually genuinely terrifies me uh i think it's holds up so well and if you like look into like all the public uh, the publicity that was gone into making the movie and like the set was haunted and people were die like died like making the movie and like like it it was it was a phenomenon and i've heard stories of like i was talking about my grandpa earlier but it was the same thing where like my mom i remember when i watched it for the first time and she was telling me about how when it came out that my grandpa was like afraid to be in the dark for like a long time after seeing the exorcist in the theater because it was just terrifying and everybody was so just freaked out all the time i've all i've never seen it in the theater i really want to um it's been reissued a couple times so i i think i'll get there eventually we're coming up on another anniversary so uh maybe next year it'll play um but i just i'm a big fan of the movie i love the um i think that like i said the scares are actually 
really terrifying and, and really good. I think the performances are excellent. Um, I just think it's a top-notch horror movie that I, I think it gets the credit it deserves, but I also don't hear people talking about it too much. I think um, it's, and this isn't a shot at anybody, it's just one of those movies where like horror especially if it's like made before 1990 i don't know if it hits everybody in this community as much as it would like somebody like boatman or or uh payson or jake or honestly cody like we you guys watch a lot of movies that are older so makes sense but also there are horror movies coming out in the last 20 years that's like the big talk of the town for a lot of people around here so i think the people that have seen it generally like it and or acknowledge that it's at least very well made, but I just don't hear a lot of people talk about it all that much, which I find is, is strange. And I think it probably has something to do with its age. I know Maggie doesn't love it because she did. She doesn't think it's scary. She's like, yeah, it looks fake. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's fucking great. I think it holds up really well. So yeah, the exorcist. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cody, your take on this one. Um, so this is one that I remember seeing, like, maybe eight years old, um, but I don't remember any of it at all. Um, just, be, I, I think I snuck and watched it, but my, my, my dad said it was, like, the scariest film he's ever seen, and I don't remember being scared of it. I didn't watch it, but I, I, I owe this thing a watch. I haven't watched it. It would be a professional, because the only thing I know is all the stuff. Um, I think at the end of the film, like when she becomes like, I think that's the misleading of this movie. Like how much of what people know of this film is how much is near the end of it. Like that's there's right. so much before it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely understand why to see it in theaters and especially to see how like people would react to it in theaters would probably be because there are people like my dad. This is absolutely one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. But now you ask anybody nowadays, they're like, nah. Doesn't doesn't do anything for me, which was kind of crazy. Uh, Caleb. Yeah, no, I love the exercise. I think that this is uh, a fantastic horror movie. There, there's a scene in this movie uh, that is just disturbing and terrifying. And I, what? Crucifix. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, it's the. That it's scene. the I don't I don't like this is this is a movie that I'm honestly kind of shocked that I like as much as I do because it's like it is genuinely to me it's still genuinely scary. I've only seen it one time, but it was like genuinely scary and like had me on edge while still being incredibly well made. I, I think this one's great. Yeah. Jake. Um, yes, I. This was like a, a blind spot for me for like the longest time until a couple of years ago where I started watching for Halloween, and it's like it's fantastic. It's I really love. I think Friedkin is such an interesting filmmaker because he came from a documentary background, so he kind of understands how to make something like The Exorcist feel real. The way he uses the camera and just the idea that just something could happen at any time, and you just don't know what it could be. Um, I would love to see just the audience reactions to this in 1973 and just see how everyone was reacting to it because, you know, we're, we're a few generations apart from the people who saw The Exorcist. We all see, view horror differently than they did. Like, we've seen pretty much everything when it comes to the horror at this point. We don't 
get scared and shiver like from what's going on the exorcist even there are some crazy shit that happens in the movie like when she turns her head and not you know what she did your daughter like terrifying and i think that's the greatest thing about the movie is the horror aspect is being a mother and seeing something very very wrong happen to your daughter that you have no idea how to explain like i love the stuff which they they when she takes um Reagan to the um the hospital and just like the MRI tests and just mm-hmm. what is going on and they don't know like that is what's scary about it is that nobody knows scientifically you don't know what's wrong with her and it becomes the whole religious she's possessed by a demon like that sort of stuff is when it really becomes terrifying um yeah I would love to have seen this in the cinema I mean especially back in 70 and back in 73 just the audience reaction I'm, I think it's a fantastic fantastic one of the greatest horror movies ever and I will I really want to rewatch it. I probably will uh, come this October. Payson. Yeah, seeing how there are people that saw this back when it came out and are still scarred by it proves as to why this is a good choice. Like experiencing that and like taking on that burden as well would be like really, really cool. Uh, I've seen this movie once and I really liked it, but it's one that I think I probably do owe a rewatch to. And yeah, if I ever got the opportunity to see this in a theater, I would probably jump at it because I do think the scares are still very, very effective. Um, like people say, maybe the most thrilling final five minutes to any movie ever. Like it's 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 up in the conversation, especially in terms of horror. But yeah, like th- this is a great choice. Okay, uh, I believe we are back to Cody. Cody, your next pick. So now that everybody's time traveling, there's a moment that I regret in my life, and it's very recent. It's 2019. I didn't get to see this film in the theaters, and the one person that I wish that I would have been able to see this movie with, I should have made the drive. I should have went to Wisconsin. I should have seen The Irishman in theaters with Tim Burkala. It was the one that this movie has climbed so high on my rankings. It's in my top 10 of all time. I absolutely adore this film and everything about it. The only thing that would have made this film better is to watch it with Tim and talk about it after it with him. Um, I, I can't speak anymore about this movie. Um, I think it, I think it plays okay on the TV, but I would have just loved like the, the, just to see those characters on a big screen in the surround sound. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not like I could have, I could have picked like the movies that I would love to go see back. Like I get it, but like this movie has potential in the next like 10 years to be in the top five. I, I think it's brilliant filmmaking. I think it's a brilliant script. I think it's just overall one of my favorite movies. Um, and I have to actually tell myself all the time to not watch it, um, which is three hours and 29 minutes. But I'm like, I need to watch this. I could watch The Irishman now. Um, um, but yeah, it would be that choice. Go back in time. Go watch it in November, like 20, 27, 28, 29, whatever Tim saw it. And then, because he's like, if you're not, we could, we could do it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I should have done whatever I could to get there. So, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna find out right now what what day it was. But, um, yeah, I, I I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> I I I did see this in the theater the first time I saw it. 
uh maggie uh and i went with uh tyler butler actually was the it was the, the three of us went and saw it and we saw it at like i want to say it started at like 7 15 <laughs> so it didn't get done till like 11 o'clock when all the previews and everything are said and done um maybe a little bit after it was it was great uh and you know, and I, I use Maggie as an example all the time, but like, you know, something is is getting her sucked in when it's a three and a half hour movie, and she looks at you two hours in and goes, "I've held it as long as I can. I gotta go." And she runs out of the auditorium and then runs back in forty five seconds later and is good for the rest of the movie. Like, it. I I agree with Cody. It's I don't I don't have a top one hundred. Like I have I've never sat down to make a top one hundred. I don't. I don't know that I could do that if I'm being completely honest. Like I, it's hard for me to even, I like, I know what my favorite movie is, but even my two, three, four, like on letterbox change all the time. Like I just, I just don't know. Um, I, I would say I could confidently say this is, would be probably in my top 25, but I don't, I don't know where it would go, but I agree with Cody. I think the, the movie is fantastic. It's a, it's a three and a half hour movie that seriously feels like two hours. I think it is paced so well. Uh, Pacino, it I've said it a thousand times, and Cody and I have talked about it, but the fact that this is the first time Pacino worked with Scorsese is nuts because it feels like they have been working together forever. Uh, it, there's just, like, something there that, like, it feels so natural for him to be in this world. Um, and... Honestly, I he's he's probably my well no, I think De Niro is my favorite performance in the movie. Um, but when Pacino comes in, it's it's like an hour into the movie. And I actually genuinely love the first hour probably the most. Like the rise of uh of De Niro. Do it. Do what? The Do the quote. Oh the the fuck is this <laughs> yeah, no, it's so good that's why it, and that's like 10 minutes into the movie but it's like the fuck is this it's so good uh, but he the, <laughs> nobody gets what i'm talking about. i know but i do and it's fantastic um but the i i love the whole beginning of like the relationship between De Niro and Pesci like how that grows and you get a little bit of Harvey Keitel in there to the point that when Hoffa actually comes into play I get a little sad where I'm like oh I like this first part more but then Pacino is just so fucking good in the movie like it's stupid like every performance here is really really great and I just think it it's it's such a surprisingly funny movie but just like also, it it really knows how to pull at your heartstrings too in the right moments, and the towards the end. I mean, there's maybe like 45 minutes left in the movie when it happens, but not to get into too many spoilers because it is still a fairly new movie. But when they're at the event, they're giving De Niro an award, and Hoffa is there to present the award to him. And there's a few conversations between Pesci and De Niro and then De Niro and uh, um, Pacino. And it's just like the back and forth between these characters in this scene is it's like one of the most heart wrenching scenes. Uh, and the end is just like, 
it, it genuinely gets me, even though you literally are told what's going to happen in the first two minutes. The the, the way that it ends, you literally see it happen in the first two minutes, but it goes by like that. If you don't look for it, you're going to miss it. So uh, it's amazing. I love the movie. I've talked way too long about this at this moment, but got him. Cancer. big fan, <laughs> big fan. Uh, Boatman, your take on the film. You're late. No, Fifth, 10 minutes accounts for traffic. This is 15. You're late. You're saying something. Like, that's, oh, man. Oh, man. That scene alone justifies this being on the list. It is what it is. Uh, Jake? Um, yeah, I saw this actually in the theater. Um, the, there was a small cinema that that was doing like netflix movies they did this and marriage story and the the two popes i saw marriage story and this and i was very glad that i picked the uh morning uh time for this i think it was like 8 39 and i got out and it was like one uh, in the <laughs> afternoon i was like all right i made the a smart choice um i did not have to go to the bathroom at all during the three hour and 30 minute runtime like i was pretty impressed by myself actually i thought it was pretty good um, yeah, this movie's great. I haven't seen it since uh, since the, I saw it for the first time. Um, but I would, I don't know. I feel like I'd have to watch it in episodes. I don't all. I know that the whole stupid thing that Netflix was like, this is what you could watch it in. Um, but I think if I watch one the first half and then the next day watch the second half or something like that, take a break, an interlude or whatnot. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, this is just like the Scorsese has made so many gangster crime movies he takes a, a, a nice little break and then comes back and makes like his gigantic epic uh, tale of jimmy hoffer and that all sort of uh that, all, that kind of um that that time period while also just being about morality and just being t time is the essence of us all and the enemy of us all and i just think that's uh, really really good um not to cut everyone off but i do need to head out um i should have mentioned earlier that i had something on do you want to uh, give us your second but, pick real quick before you go? Uh, my second pick was going to be Gaspar Noy's Enter the Void uh, from 2009. Um, I just think that's very similar to 2001 in the sense of this auditory visual sort of uh, experience and, and just the fact that the movie is about a trippy, uh, ex about a guy who takes drugs and then has like this uh, incredible like after-death experience, I think is um, really interesting. I mean, what's I'll just, what's really, it called, Jake? Sorry. Enter the Void. Into the void, what year? Enter. Enter. Uh, oh, enter the void. Sorry. Enter the void. And my rating for Inverage would be four stars. Okay, okay awesome. To four and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to leave, but this is cool. No, you're good, Jake. Um, and I'll be on next time when I. Yeah. Go. All right. See you, Jake. Right. Um, Payson, you want to talk about The Irishman? Yeah. Um, I remember when this movie was coming out, and I didn't think it was going to be playing in Arizona. And me and Taylor were prepared to make the four and a half hour trip to California just so we could watch it in theaters. Thankfully, it did come to a really small leg indie theater over here that's no longer with us. Rest in peace, Film Bar. You were awesome. Uh, I dressed up in a suit because it was a fancy movie. And, uh, yeah, this this movie is incredible. Um, I, the way how Scorsese this late in his career is tackling a movie about getting older and, like, aging and, like, feeling like the world passed by you, I think is incredible. Um, it saddens me that not enough people were able to see this in theaters. Netflix, I really wish you would put your theaters more wide and stop being so sucky about like um, theatrical windows, please, for all of us. 
But yeah, I think this is a very, very good choice. Okay. Uh, Boatman, let's go to you. You're muted. Did not realize I was muted. Anyway, uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with, I feel like one genre that, generally speaking, you don't need to have them be in theaters is comedy. I'm going to go with the comedy that I genuinely feel like would be enhanced by a theatrical experience, and that's The Blues Brothers. I think The Blues Brothers is a comedy on an incredibly epic scale. Like, those car chase sequences, while funny, are, in my opinion, still impressive to this day. The mu- the big musical numbers are a lot of fun. And I also do feel like seeing a lot of these jokes in a crowd would be a lot of fun with, like, a crowded theater laughing along. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Blues Brothers, and I feel like a theatrical experience would be awesome. Um, I've seen this once a long time ago. I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think I've seen the sequel, which I hear is bad. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, I uh, remember liking this when I saw it. Cody, what about you? Um. Every time Boatman brings up the Blues Brothers, it's such a weird thing because, like, not saying he can't enjoy it. It's just like my like my uncle's favorite movie, so like it's kind of like it's kind of weird when he brings it up. Um, I kind of agree. Um, I like Blues. I like the Blues Brothers. Um, it's it's humor that just really works for me. But I think like the musical numbers. I think being in the crowd, I think they could get a lot of. Uh, uh, humor across this is i'm not crazy this is the illinois nazis right like this is like the you know what i hate is illinois nazis it's like those parts would just play really funny in the theater i think with a group of people because if you picture these movies like packed houses like comedy is like and less jokes don't land in movies and there's that one guy in the corner that laughs hysterically and you're just like what the fuck is wrong with this guy but if the whole crowd is getting it that's something like that's just something that can carry a movie from here to like here. So I'm kind of with you. I think Blues Brothers is an interesting choice, but I think you're right. I think it would be the handsome. Uh, Payson? Yeah, I've never seen Blues Brothers, but the way everyone talks about it makes me really want to see it. And I honestly do like seeing comedies in theaters just because, it, 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 at, at the very least, good comedies in theaters, there are a few things worse than bad comedies in theaters. But like a good comedy, like when everyone is laughing and getting into the same thing, it's awesome. And this seems like a really good one. Okay. Payson, what is your next pick? Yeah. um, Sort of in the same vein of I want to time travel to a time where like um, where I could laugh at a movie with a bunch of people. Uh, I want to go back to June of 2003. And I want to go to this one theater. I looked it up, but I forgot. And um, it was it played in this one theater for two weeks. Um, I wish I could have seen the vision of one man by the name of Tommy Wiseau. And I wish I could have seen The Room for the first time in theaters. Can you imagine? Because when I saw The Room, I already had the context that everyone knew of see people saying like, oh, this is one of the worst movies of all time. But could you imagine just thinking you're going to go see a regular old movie And seeing that, the five-minute opening of just the horrible score playing over the the view of San Francisco, as you see, like, 
depressed Fabio walk in, as in Tommy Wiseau, and give some of the worst acting you will ever see, and watch everyone around him talk like him. Like, like that is the great thing about the room is everyone talks like Tommy Wiseau does because he doesn't write characters. He writes himself into every single character. Um, there are, of course, legendary scenes like I did not hit her. It's not true. The cheap, 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 cheap scene. Uh, the death scene of Johnny is incredible. Um, I've seen this in theaters. Um, it is uh, perfect for like a late night showing as um, everyone gets into it. But seeing it for the first time in a theatrical experience when it first came out would be incredible. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, Payson. Oh, I, think, I, think, uh, I think that I would have wanted to jump off the theater's roof if I had seen exactly. this person. Uh, like and, and not in not a good way. I think part of the fun and the charm is like, I, I, if you were to find someone that saw this thinking they were just going to see a regular movie, they probably still hate the movie. They don't have the fun and charm of it. I don't think it, I don't think it works quite as well as your uh, previous analogy of 2001, but I respect the choice. I respect the choice. Uh, I've only seen it once. I, it was not in the theater. It was at home. Uh, right before Disaster Artist came out, I watched this. It is it lives up to the hype. Uh, uh, Cody, I this is something that I just hate. Um, film communities. This man makes money. I think still on this shit. Like this should never have got saw the light of day. This should never have been anything more. I don't. I'm not a fan at all. I've seen like bits and pieces of it. But to sit there and watch the whole thing, like I've said this before to like, I don't, I've said this to Coho. If I logged every movie I started, I'd have a ton of watches. Like I would, like I, but I'd stop so many movies. But I'm just like, I have too much time. This is not worth my time. So like the moment I would have saw this, oh my God. Like, but this is also me as a film fan. I think Monty Python and Holy Grail is not a good movie. I think Airplane's not a good movie. So to see Room, not a chance. Not a chance in hell. Uh, jump off the roof. Um, I would like to be put into that uh, that wood chipper in Fargo. <laughs> um, okay, Boatman. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I feel like the only way to watch the room is with a crowd. With like when you can laugh with your friends, That's right? True. When you can like make fun of it oh yeah this is the like, first viewing of it yeah and like if we're talking this is like no one's gonna be like outwardly laughing in the theater people are gonna just be awkward and you're not even gonna be able to see that really how many people are actually there not a ton. that's also a good question that's fair so I, I don't know if you said like oh just like a regular like midnight screening of the room that happens now sure that might be fun i'd go to that but like just random audience i don't think people are going to be like screaming in this theater so no i mainly just want to do it for the curiosity like i'm just so curious to see like what people thought but i but i but i but i hate you as well sorry i got a work text um okay so that was everybody in the room right Yep. yep. Okay. Um, okay. So then I'm going to go for my last pick. Um, thought about this a lot. Movies you wish you saw in the theater. 
Return of the King. I saw that in the theater. Uh, you know what I wish I saw in the theater? It was a cold Christmas night. Tim just got off of work. He went home and Maggie said, oh, honey, do you want to watch the new Pixar film? And I said, yeah, in a theater, not on fucking Disney+. Plus. I don't want to watch Soul on Disney+. Plus. I wish I had saw it in the theater. This fucking counts. I say this counts 100%. Uh, and if it doesn't, I... Sorry for no. This absolutely counts. And when when looking at the the Pixar films that have been on Disney Plus that were supposed to be released in theaters, the last three they have to read, sell an app. It's not about that, and I'm not getting into that here. I'm just saying that between Turning Red, Luca, and Soul, Soul's by far the best in my opinion. Um, I love this movie. It was the first movie of the month for a whole week. Uh, and we talked about it uh, on the first episode of this show. And uh, I, so I gave a lot of in-depth then. But um, I think this picks... I've always loved seeing Pixar in the theater because they're just so beautiful, whether you like the movie or not. Like Luca and Turning Red are both movies that I think are kind of meh. Uh, but they're gorgeous. They're really pretty to look at. And even the older ones that have been re-released, like when they did the 3D for Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc. And um, they Toy did Story. Another... No, they did another one that was 3D in the theater. It wasn't... They did Toy Story. Did they? Yeah. yeah, they did Toy Story 3D. I remember that. There was another one that I can't... It wasn't Bugs Life. What would it have been? It wasn't Incredibles. I'll think of it eventually. Um, but... It was around that same time of that, like, 2011, 2012, when, like, they did Finding Nemo and uh, and um, and Monsters, Inc. But uh, seeing those again on the big screen was just absolutely amazing. So it's uh, – I just wish this – I had gotten to see this one for the first time in the theater because I do think it is one of the most beautiful Pixar films. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's a great movie all in all. Um, and I know that that I, it would have hit even more emotionally had I been in a theater, uh, laughing and crying along with everybody else in the theater and not just on my couch at home. So, uh, I think it's a great movie. I understand why it was released on Disney plus at the time, this one, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, Cody, your take on soul. Um, so, so I like. Um, I understand Tim's why he picks it here, um, just for the the anger that made that man that that man faced when he saw it. Um, I've been doing a bit with Tim for a while now. I still stand by it. Do I mean it? No, not really. But it's a lot of fun to say. Um, uh, I thought it was a nice gift that Disney gave us during pandemic time. It was a pretty crappy year overall, and they threw it at the end of it during Christmas. Um, it was better than the gifts that Warner Brothers gave us. I guarantee you that on Christmas. That thing was fucking ass. But um, yeah, I think I think there is something about a Pixar movie in theaters that just hits harder. Um, and I, I tell my kids all the time, like, because you know, I just want to make sure they know how great to be grateful for things. And every time we click on the Disney Plus app, I'm like, listen, little shits. This was never a thing when I was a kid, so you're gonna enjoy it. We had to pop in VHSs and rewind them. Um, this is just, uh, yeah. So, good God 
Um, so yes, a uh, great choice, Jeff. I for for your sanity back then, I would have done anything for you to be able to see this in the theater. That's fair. Uh, Payson. Yeah, I think Soul is great, and like you, I would have loved to have seen it in a theater. Um, I want to tackle what you just said about the animation. Uh, this was on Framed a few like days ago, and it took me like three guesses to realize, oh shit, I'm looking at an animated movie, before I finally realized it was Soul, which would tell you how good the animation is. Um, it feels crazy that we haven't seen a Pixar movie in theaters in about coming up on two and a half years and so it's gonna make Lightyear uh, really exciting but um three more weeks three three more what if they move it to Disney Plus well no because that is the thing we do have to think is that maybe this was the Pixar animators choice to choose it maybe they wanted to have okay I'll stop (laughs) not not. (laughs) fuck you uh bowman soul yeah your name uh, i love soul i one element that we haven't touched on that i think improves every pixar movie and why pixar movies are one of the best like theatrical experiences in general the shorts yes Burrow before this and i think like the double of like burrow just before this and then you because i really like burrow i love burrow more than most people i thought that short was great it's anxiety bunny just trying to relax and i enjoy that um yeah soul soul rocks soul's a great film and uh i i really love it and i feel i wish i could have seen it in the theater i wish i could have seen luke in the theater i wish i could have seen turning red in the theater same. Okay. Um, that's everybody on Soul, correct? Okay, great. So uh, we are going to move on to our uh, movie of the month. That was the whole list. We got that done. So head over to the letterbox, uh, click like on that list. All the movies we talked about today uh, will be listed on, on the letterbox. So go over there. Uh, let's talk about In Bruges one last time. Uh, I think Cody's the only one who hasn't spoken about it. Uh, so we heard from Jake. He would give it five stars. Uh, Cody, what about you? What do you think about the movie? Jake said four stars. That's what I, did I say. Five. I meant yes. Four. I meant five. That's my bad. Oh, I'm not gonna. This is not gonna be a fun time for Pom. I just don't love this movie. I just don't. I don't know what it is about it either because I think it's, you know, it's probably somebody that I've mentioned before on this call that hypes things up a little too high. Um, I think that's when I went into watching it. Um, I thought, like, oh, this is right up my alley. Everything will work perfectly. I just didn't love it. I think there's parts of the movie I really like. I think it's funny when it's supposed to be funny. But I just don't, like, love the characters or, like, dive into it too much. Um, I think there's, like, great you – know, I think Colin Farrell and, like, them are, like, fine throughout it. It just doesn't doesn't click on all cylinders for me as some people, and I really wish it did. That's why when you guys picked it, I was like, hopefully when a rewatch happens, it does. Uh, my rating is three and a half stars. Um, I don't think it gets any higher than that for me. It's not a bad movie. I understand why people like it. I like Seven Psychopaths better than this, um, um, which I guess is weird. But, like, I enjoyed the characters. I used to have that take, so I don't even disagree. I, I used to have that take. Um, I, I like the characters better, I think, in that one. I think I gravitate towards them more. Um, even the story is a little sillier in that one. But, um, yeah, 
What's his other film that he's done? Three Billboards. Three Billboards? Yeah, and I probably put Three Billboards probably higher. I don't know. Higher than that? I don't know. Oh, it's tough. Wow, I thought you were about to crap on Three Billboards. No, I don't think Rockwell deserves his Oscar, but overall, I think um, I think uh, he, I'm sad uh, again. I think um, Francis McDormand, like, and Woody Harrelson in that movie are great. But yeah, three and a half stars for me. Okay. Uh, so that's going to do it for today. We've got a couple of uh, exciting things to uh, share, though. Uh, so w- that's it for In Bruges. Next month or next week is going to be um, the start of June for us here at Logbit. So the movie of the month. Uh, it's official as of right now, this moment. I just double checked the poll. It's winning by two votes. It's going to be 1997's Contact. Oh, the movie for June. So uh, that is going to be what we're talking about in June. Uh, so if you want to be on the show or you just want to join the discussion in the chat, I implore you to watch the film. Uh, then here's what's coming up. We got third movies in a series. Uh, so it's got to be in a series. And it's got to be, you know, like the third one. Uh, I believe I'm pulling up the list of people right now. We have one spot still open for that one next week. So uh, if you're interested in that one, jump on board. Uh, On June 14th, we have Space Movies. That's a full panel already. So that one is already said and done. Hopefully it's better than YLS of Space Movies. Uh, Then we're going uh, on June 21st. We're going to do biopics, any type of biopic. Uh, that one, I believe we still have two open spots. Let me confirm that. No, we have one open spot, one open spot left for that one as well. And then, uh, the last week of the month is going to be movie spinoffs. So these are your minions, your puss in boots, your, um, uh, I had another, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, like anything like that, where it's a spinoff of the original series of stuff. Uh, so for that one, um, I believe... I don't know why I'm la- I'm not looking at the screen, so I can't. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I, I went to block. The- <laughs> I was trying to block the other people that I and George got Oh, that's funny. Oh no! Okay, well, Tuig, if you're watching, well, you're not because you've been blocked. Uh, whoops uh we'll fix that anyway there's there's open spots for that last one uh, yikes that's gonna do it for us today and uh long see you next week with uh whatever i said it was third film series yeah that's next week see you later in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening